Clay Roth, voice of a lion, and today's special guest is Dominic Doan, the founder of Pursuing Faith, the author of When Faith Fails, um, and he has a master's in theology from the University of where else? Oxford. Listen, he is a father, he is a husband, the owner of a doodle, which makes us love him even more. Um, he's been a head pastor around the United States and a missionary around the world. Um, today we talk about deconstruction, how to tear apart something, keep what is true, um, apply it to our lives, and discard the things that are not true, um, and using that for the unity um, instead of the division. So we're excited. We know that you will find uh, just the strength and a path to a better life through this. We're excited to introduce you to Dominic Doan. Yes, well, we want to welcome Dominic Dunn today. And Dominic, you are a rock star. You guys are starting a new nonprofit organization called Pursuing Faith. And you are husband, dad to Amelia, and you guys are a doodle family, just like us. We are. We are a doodle family. And as of the last month, so I've never been a huge cat fan, so sorry, my apologies if I offend anyone. But... My daughter, she really wanted a cat. Um, we just moved to Colorado. And uh, so long story short, we ended up getting one. But she has like the coolest cat. Maybe it's because she's still a kitten. But yeah. she's best friends now with our doodle. They like snuggle together and play together. Really? It's pretty cute. Yeah. Our, our doodle's yeah. a monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like giant. Really? He's yeah. twice the size of his parents. <laughs> yeah. He's, ours oh, wow. is a labradoodle, but he's enormous and um, very uncoordinated. <laughs> Long legs. He yes, and he trips going up the stairs. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And, and just <laughs> unmannered. But and they're awesome. They are. Oh, they really are. So smart. So yeah. intelligent. Hey, so today we're talking about really easy stuff with you. We thought we would just uh, make <laughs> it really <laughs> easy on you. And Michelle was actually listening to one of your prior podcasts from about a year ago. Yeah. And it's been on, yeah. I've written a few uh, blogs or short things on it, but um, deconstruction is such a big thing in, in not only the church today. So our listeners know you're mm -hmm. a pastor. But the, the principles mm -hmm. of this extend beyond just the church. They extend in the business, personal lives, relationships. And deconstruction is such yeah. a big buzzword, but I think people are using it as uh, demolition more than they are deconstruction. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to just dive right in. And Michelle, did you have a specific question on yeah, that? Yeah, well, you know, just this week alone, I it just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And, and I know for Clay yeah. and I, when it comes to deconstruction, we didn't know that there was actually a name for it. We just thought that mm. we actually have conversations about things that were like, yeah, I don't think that that's biblical. And then we just get rid mm. of it. And that's kind of an mm -hmm. ongoing conversation that we've had for the last 26 years of, hey, what are, this idea that's going around, hey, let's talk about it. So when it comes to deconstruction for us, we're in constant deconstruction. So I don't know what you would call that, mm. but it keeps coming up. And I, you know, we have adult children and we um, have a parent group with our um, youth ministry at our church. And we are just noticing a lot of kids are, that's the excuse that they're telling their kids that they don't want to be involved yeah. or that they no longer want to go to church. And you gave just mm -hmm. an amazing, cohesive talk 
about this and, you know, as far as doubting your faith, um, when you were at Biola and I just, I Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to hear you elaborate on it, but, um, you know, just the, the ideas of, um, what it really means to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you're right. We live in this moment right now where it has become, it's kind of moved from the periphery uh, to now at center stage and, you know, speaking from within a kind of a church context. But I, I think you're right, Clay. It is a, it's a broader cultural phenomenon we're seeing happen. Um, we're seeing people kind of dis, disentangle themselves from their Christian upbringing or values or set of theological practices. Um, and really publicly, uh, social media, especially we're seeing this happen, TikTok and Instagram saying, look, I, I no longer believe it. And the, the tagline is deconstruction, which is, you know, I like to think of it as, you know, you're, you're stepping into a house and you're kind of ripping it apart. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You're taking yeah. out the walls and the roof or whatever. Now, there are healthy forms of deconstruction and there are unhealthy forms of deconstruction. Um, some things need to be deconstructed in culture, society, uh, things we've learned growing up, even church practices. Um, other things we need to maybe refresh or renew or come back to the center. You know, so healthy forms would be like Jesus when he stepped into a very much a religious worldview of the Pharisees and Sadducees who had kind of strayed from God's heart when it came to love, mm-hmm. putting their own practices ahead of loving people. And so that was a system that Jesus had to deconstruct and bring people back to what is God's heart. Look, you've missed it. You've kind of strayed. Uh, you're, you're no longer loving people the way you should. And so let's, let's get back to that. And so he did that through asking questions. He did that through telling parables and teachings and Sermon on the Mount, especially. Um, and so too, you know, I, I think there are times in each generation where God will move within that generation to cause them to reevaluate, reassess things and uh, bring it back to the center, which is, which is Christ. Um, unhealthy deconstruction, and I think we're seeing a lot of this right now, is simply using the, the excuse for the tagline of the term to abandon something that they're not really interested in exploring or fully understanding. Hmm. Um, so, you know, any two-year-old can tear up a room, right? It, 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 it's pretty I easy to that. deconstruct, actually, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it takes a, a degree of honesty, authenticity, uh, a willingness, wisdom to really try and discern what is, what is true amidst uh, a system that may contain untruth and that takes time that takes wrestling like you see in scripture mm-hmm. uh scripture's full of people who had questions and in fact god encourages us to ask questions right. it's what god told uh, the israelites in deuteronomy you know he wanted them to ask questions he wanted their kids to ask questions he said when they ask questions this is how you're to respond these are the conversations you're to have that's why jesus asked over 300 questions in the gospels yeah. So the asking of questions is a great thing, um, but asking them for just for the sake of sounding smart or mm. for the sake of, you know, deconstruction or whatever, um, that, that can be unhealthy if it's not leading to a deeper form and pursuit of truth. So mm. I think we're seeing both. Uh, I, I think we are seeing presently a lot of unhealthy deconstruction. 
Um, but within there is kind of a seed of hope because oftentimes the, the soil needs to be broken up before God can plant something new and uh, bring right. about a new a, a new revival. So That's right. Now, just so our listeners know, you went actually through a crisis of faith. So there was some questions that you mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. So you personally, mm-hmm. as a pastor, had to deconstruct yep. What, where, where you were coming from, why you believe what you believe, to yeah. reconstruct. And I, and I think with reconstruction, and you can address this more, but it actually builds up stronger because you build, um, mm. you basically reinforce your foundations, mm, right? And, and then right. you're removing things that are actually keeping you from progressing or moving forward. Um, so I think it's a reinforcement of what you believe. I, I'm a firm believer that if you seek truth, whatever is true, whatever that mm. is, we have a saying it, it, for my kids and myself, and it's just truth and honor. So as a family, truth, yeah. whatever is true, you follow it, and then you honor what is true, re- regardless of where the truth road leads. And uh, yeah. but can you speak to that? Because here's what people need to know. Um, you know, you, you, mm. you, they can look at you sitting on a pedestal um, that you've never doubted. But the truth is, is that your new ministry is built at a time that you suffered a crisis in your mm-hmm. own faith, um, which, That's is, right. which is a journey that takes you off the road um, that yep. you're on to get back on the road so you know you're going the right way. Yeah, I love how you put it. You know, this earlier this morning, I went, went to a gym and down here in California and um, just seeing my, my family and doing an event tonight. Um, so I wanted to work out. And when, when, when you work out, you're, you're kind of tearing muscle down in order for it to rebuild stronger. And there are times in our life where God allows the, the texture of our faith, the muscle of our faith to kind of be worn down a bit um, in order to, to do something deeper and stronger in us. And that, that's, a very, that's a very biblical idea. You know, that's why Romans says that, you know, hard times create perseverance and experience right. and hope. And that's definitely the journey I went on and um, am on. And I think every, every person is on, whether they're a Christian or not. Everyone, yeah. everyone deconstructs. Everyone's trying to sort out their worldview. Everyone uh, ha- has to have a house to live in, right? You, you, you can deconstruct for a bit, but at the end of the day, you, you do need a way to live. And you need a, a place to call home mm-hmm. when it comes to worldview and perspective and what you think about God and the universe and the Bible and all those things. Everyone has to answer that question. You can't remain just neutral for long. Um, you take out the walls of a house and the roof of a house. Well, sooner or later, the storms of life hit you. And then That's you have right. to sort out, okay, what do I really think? What do I really believe? And there was there was a time in my own journey where I had to you know, deconstruct some thoughts and wrestled with with some things. I, I you know, I share that in the book. Um, it kind of started when I was younger because I was First half of my childhood was kind of raised in a very broken home. My dad was an alcoholic, and this, there, there's a lot of, a lot of trauma and pain in, in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half of my childhood, pretty much from the age of 10 to 18, it was like a whiplash from my parents going from the full party scene, drugs and all that, to uh, they became Christians and um, started going to church. So it was like a complete just radical 180 and uh coming out of that and processing a lot of the questions i had growing up things that in many ways i had 
repressed, questions I didn't really want to answer or engage with, um, one of the healthiest things I did was begin to evaluate that and deconstruct that. And I think that's all the process of maturing and, and growing. And uh, some of it was the- theological, some of it was experiential, uh, some of it was emotional. Um, and, and God takes on a journey where if we're going to choose to believe, he wants our faith to be our own. He doesn't want it to be something we've inherited or absorbed via osmosis from culture or church or, or our, our parents even. Like He wants it to be our own. He wants it to be real and gritty and raw. And sometimes to get to that place, in fact, always, to get to that place, we're going to have to wrestle and, and deal with some things and uh, engage with gritty questions and encounter some hard times. And that process, I think, is refining. It's painful, but it's also how we grow. How good. Yeah, that's so good. That's you, so good. You know, and it's one of those things where I, I've uh, been doing on a little bit on David, but you can't wear somebody else's armor as you go through this. And I, mm. think, I think it really uh, plays to the fact that as we're facing uh, the giants in our life, it's something I just wrote, but it's 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 our own battles, you know. Um, my giant is yeah. a giant, and, and my struggles may not be yeah. your struggles. But you know what I find too, especially as a community of believers, that what our goal is, and we're going to kind of lead into this, but it's truly to wrap our arms around each other and um, yep. to help other people. When Saul and the Israelites were not able to defeat or to stand up to the giant, right? To David, it wasn't a giant. It was just a Philistine. It was just a man. And, you know, and he basically took care of somebody else's giants. And then he had his own Mm. issues later on in life. And it's unfortunate that more people didn't wrap around David. But I think as a community Mm. of believers, we're pretty divided these days. You know, we're dealing with COVID. We have what's going on in Israel and now in Afghanistan and uh, the... Natural disasters. Natural disasters, the Black Lives Matter movements, things like that. Presidency, Democrat, Republican. And I just want everyone to know that we're just lambs. And but what I mean by that (laughs) is we're so divided. Even our churches are divided. And um but even beyond the churches, what would you speak to um people on on uniting, wrapping around each other? Yeah, I think we need to show more grace than we've ever shown. Mm. You know, there's a Danish philosopher, um, Søren Søren Kierkegaard, and he has this interesting book called Works of Love. And I was was reading through that the other day. There's a parable in there that I find just so interesting, so compelling, of a a king who commissioned a couple authors, uh, artists rather, to go and, and paint quote unquote beautiful person so he said go go find a beautiful person paint their portrait and then bring it back to me and he gives them the resources they needed in order to do this and both of these artists they had two completely different uh, approaches to this one artist he said well if i'm going to find the perfect person then i need to i need to travel i need to go to other cities i need to go to other places i need to go on a long quest to try and find this individual and he went out and that person was elusive. He couldn't find him. And years later, he had no portrait to show for it. Mm. The other artist, though, decided to stay home and had no problem finding someone to paint because he saw the beauty in everyone. Mm. And, and, and I think so often, you know, we, 
we, we live in a time where we're so cynical and judgmental and quick to point out faults and cancel people we don't agree with. Mm. And what we need in this day and age is a resurgence of grace where we choose to see the beauty in them. <laughs> we mm. choose to see the presence of God in them. And there's, if you're looking for someone that you'll never disagree with, all you're looking for is a mirror. Mm, right. <laughs> you're just looking for a, gl- a glorified right. version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I think the beauty is found in, in the difference. It's found in uh, a variety of opinions and perspectives mm-hmm. and, and, learning learning the art of saying look we we do disagree on this but i'm gonna love you anyway i I see the beauty in you anyway and again that's how jesus that's how jesus lived Mm -hmm. you know i think if jesus were walking our streets right now um he would embody a different a different ethos than we Mm -hmm. see so often portrayed sadly even christian communities church communities certainly at a social level and Facebook and all that, right? Because Jesus, the kinds of people he drew to him were quite different. You know, you you had Simon the Zealot. Uh, the Zealots were these radical fringe groups that were known for always. They always had a knife with them because they were waiting for the day to, for Rome to be overthrown. And at a moment's notice, they'd be ready to jump into the fray and and uh, help the process of talk about deconstructing, you know, deconstruct the empire. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the zealots. And Simon had been a part of that group. And Jesus had with him Matthew, the tax collector, who worked for Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we talk about a, a pretty diverse right. set of people. Um, one guy is all about supporting the system. The other one who wanted to burn the system down. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus somehow drew people from a wide variety of perspectives and opinions and politics. Why? Because they saw in Jesus something that transcended politics. They mm-hmm. saw in Jesus something that transcended their own d- dividedness and deconstruction. And that was a compelling vision. And I think if we're going to see unity uh, in our era, it means a resurgence of grace, seeing the beauty in others, and also embodying this kind of ethos of Christ, um, loving people uh, without strings attached, mm. forgiving people, um, and putting putting Jesus ahead of politics, right. <laughs> putting Jesus ahead of right. our myriad of opinions. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, um, something I have a, a a military background, a law enforcement type background, and it stays with you no matter what you do. And, and justice is always always at the tip of my tongue and it's it's i understand that i understand justice and uh, lately it's been really laid on me that and i use this example so so that the listener and you understand when when the woman caught in the very act of adultery is brought before the feet of jesus Mm -hmm. and you know we know how it ends everyone drops their stones and walks away but what if we change that narrative right If, if if clay was there and let's say that one of the younger Pharisees started throwing stones and it got them all throwing stones. Well, I know in my mind and most men that I hang out with, we're bum rushing some Pharisees and knocking some heads. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it really came to me that maybe, maybe that's not what, what would Christ have done if, if we changed the narrative 
when Christ was there, what would he have done? And there's not a doubt in my mind that he would have wrapped his arms around the woman and took the rocks, yeah. took the stones. That's right. And That's right. for me, you know, I, I, I want to be more Christ-like and less clay-like because I can justify yeah. every day bum-rushing them and knocking them out. But yeah. it would be really hard for, for me to wrap my arms around a woman caught in the very act of adultery and then let mm. the men that drug her there hit me with stones. But yet, if mm. that's what my Lord does, well, that's what we should do. So Absolutely. That's, a, that's a new quest for me. But And I think that um, that's how we get along. That's how we get along with the Muslim and with the Buddhist and with the yeah. atheist and with the agnostic. Yeah. And we could go on. Those yeah. that hate us and because we're Christians... We need to stop yeah. attacking. We need to start wrapping our arms around and, and taking the, the hits. That's such a powerful picture. And I love that you called it a quest because it is a quest. It's not something that's instantaneous, this kind of forgiveness and love, grace. Uh, it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment decision that we make. Um, I think of Corey Ten Boom, who mm. talked about living in a polarized age. <laughs> we often like to think that, oh, it's so polarized and divided right now. And it, it is. Right. But then you study history and you realize, oh, wow, okay, they, they went through some pretty <laughs> bad things, too. And Corey Ten Boom, she, she spent time in a Nazi concentration camp and experienced and witnessed horrific, horrific things. Yeah. And yet there she discovered, she discovered the power of forgiveness. And later on in, in her book, she has this beautiful quote, um, essentially saying that forgiveness is similar to letting go of a church bell mm. um, in, in those European villages, you know, they tug on these bells and they, they'd ring, you know, at every hour or to call people to community. And when you let go of the bell, initially it keeps swinging. There's, there's gravity at work, there's momentum at work and uh, you, you can still hear it even though you're not touching it. But in time, you give it a few minutes, it, it stops, it stops ringing. And she said, forgiveness is like that. It's that intentional choice where you're saying, I'm going to let go of this rope. I've been tugging at it. I've been upset. I've been bitter towards that person or that political group or that movement or whatever it is, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And I've been, that's been my focus. And that's been the object of what I'm trying to fight against. But instead of doing that, I'm going to, I'm going to release it. And you do that. The, the bell keeps ringing. <laughs> you still feel yeah. the hurt, the pain, the shame, the whatever. Uh, but in time, healing healing can begin. And you know that works at a very interpersonal level with someone that's hurt you, betrayed you, wronged mm-hmm. you. I think at a cultural level too, it's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it's something that just it, it just goes against us as humans. <laughs> and that's, yeah. and that's, that's the struggle is that constant dying to our flesh of, you know, like Clay was talking about, you know, just mm. justice and, you know, taking care of and, and managing the wrongs of others. And as opposed to, um, showing others that they're loved, even though they, they do wrong. And that's, yes. that's the challenge. I, I really believe that's the challenge. I know, I know for me, at least parenting has brought that out in me where mm. I can see a kid struggle, you know, one of our kids, we have 10 kids and, um, 
one of our kids will be struggling and I just go and go, go tell them, what are you doing? And, and not realizing that this is a situation that they're going to have to walk through and I need to walk with them through yep. it. And it's yes. not going to help them by just me telling them what they need to do and get angry because they're not doing it. And that's, mm. that's probably, you know, my quest is I, I can't fix it and I can't make someone do something. I, I just have to be available to walk with them while they figure mm. it out because the, the mm. fruit is, is going to be in them actually experiencing that, whether it be deconstruction, whether it be, yep. um, yep. and that's, I think that's really hard, especially for parents, you know, cause as I listen to, uh, what what you're saying in that talk to Biola was, you know, as coming from a parent's perspective and raising our children um, in a certain way and seeing them walk away and have questions and make accusations and, and you're you really just are at a loss. You go, what mm. did we do wrong? And mm. I think just this whole movement right now is. Um, you know, and, and, and I can see too how some parents feel like they have to abandon their faith because of it, because of the struggles uh, that they see yeah. their kids going through. You know, is that something mm -hmm. that you are encountering, you know, in this, um, in this new, new time that we're living in? I am. Yeah, I, I am seeing that. Um, in some ways, you know, it's kind of understandable. Parents see their kid go through some something at church or wrestle with some issue and it's mm -hmm. like well i i don't want to make my kid feel isolated or alone so i'm going to stand with them in this and right. deconstruct with them but i think there's a better way um and it, it's in the book of jude which is right before revelation um it says be merciful mm -hmm. to those who doubt and the word mercy there it's this beautiful ancient word that when you begin to dig into the etymology of it uh it was used by the ancient Greeks to describe a physician break, uh, healing a broken bone. Mm. Um, so, you know, a couple of years ago, my, my daughter, Amelia, she was at this trampoline park and bouncing away, having the time of her life. And then she landed kind of off and it, it broke her, her leg in a number of places. It was horrible. Oh, mm. I wish I could get that out of my mind. It was yeah. such a horrible experience. And she's lying there and, crying and a part of the bone sticking out and I call for the ambulance and, and I just remember the, the paramedics coming rushing next to her and just the, the tenderness they showed mm -hmm. the compassion they showed the way they helped her uh, get on the stretcher helped her with the pain and, and just that kind of attentiveness to someone who's suffering Jude says that's that's to be our posture with someone who's in the throes of doubt or deconstruction rather than judging them or being cynical towards them yeah. or what's wrong with you or you in sin or whatever, or just embracing it and saying, okay, I'll stand with you yeah. in this deconstruction. No, that's not the answer. The answer is loving them through this. I think one of the most loving things you could say to someone who is deconstructing their faith is I'm going to be there with you through this process. So like a paramedic who's healing a broken bone. Mm -hmm. I, I know that this season of your life is hard because honest doubt is hard. Hon yeah. Honest deconstruction is hard. And I say honest because some forms of deconstruction aren't. I, I think we're seeing a lot of that right now where it's just, it's a trendy thing to do, to get on TikTok and say, I was hurt by the church, but it's not, it's not coming from a place of like, they've really honestly wrestled with God right. through their doubt. It's more jumping on a bandwagon. Yeah. 
or I want to live, live my, my life, life a certain way. Yeah. That's a yes. Yeah, they yeah. changing theology to justify lifestyle. Yeah, and I think even with that big one, I think that's the hardest, and to be mm. merciful too, because I think what you're saying yeah. is, um, and and our feelings deceive us, and when we see a brother yeah. or sister in Christ that is being deceived by their, even if it is their very own feelings, that's still yeah. something that I can I still get that we need to be merciful with them, it, because it, yeah. at some point. It's it, it, it's going to come into the light. It really is. Yes. You know, yes. you had a quote well, about Jesus that. Said? Yeah, go ahead. Go on. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Well, you had yeah, said well, something Jesus. about um, about um, Dawkins, or you know, talking mm. about it's the religion, you know, for people that were afraid of the dark, and mm. and, and in reality, it, it, you had spoken with a mathematician that had said, no, actually, it's a uh, an atheist is a is a person that's afraid of the light. And that really resonated with me because I can, I can see that in lives of those that I love, that there is this shielding themselves from the light so that they can live the way that they want to live and yeah. not coming into the light and not, you know, coming and seeing, you know, what Jesus, Jesus is saying, come see, come see. We need to witness, you know, what, what God is doing and what he's doing every day, what he's doing right now. Um, and I think that's hard, you know, it's impossible to deny. That's for sure. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm reminded of what Jesus said to the guy who uh, was unable to walk and he's laying by the pool in, in one of the Gospels. And um, Jesus walked up to him and he was by this pool because there's this whole mythology mm -hmm. around it. Like if people get into the pool first, mm -hmm. they can be healed or whatever. And he'd been there for years and years. Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to be made well? Mm. <laughs> which, which like that's kind of an insensitive question. Like, obviously, right. he's been sick. He can't walk. You think he'd, he'd want to get well. But Jesus is putting his finger on something that there are times where our, our, our deconstruction isn't all that honest. And we are yeah. just trying to justify the way we yeah. want to live. Um, and that is something that we have to engage with. Um, and then you're right. It is hard, harder to show mercy, even in that circumstance. But yeah. Jesus still did. He still loved the person. That's right. Um, well, and then, you know, you had mentioned Jude 22. And, and the second part of that is, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You know, when you think about that sense of urgency, also of being able to show mm -hmm. that love of what, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, that there is a sense yeah. of um, you can you can really see going that they're exploring an area that um, is is isn't real and authentic. It's it's truly yes. a a place of deceiving themselves. Yep. Yep. OK, I know. Dominique. So, so many people. Yeah. So if you had a chance to talk to everybody in the world, everybody. So from the rich of the rich to the poor <laughs> on the poor, our podcast, just on our podcast. <laughs> oh, oh that's an that's an amazing question. If everybody could hear you right now, <laughs> everybody, what's your words to them? Oh my goodness, I I would. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. Um, get a golden doodle. No. Um... Yes. <laughs> I would say listen listen to the longings that are in you mm. I, everyone christian non-christian believer unbeliever doubter 
someone with strong faith, everyone has these longings and yearnings that are in us. The the Bible says that he has put eternity in our hearts. Mm. And you've had the chance to travel. I've lived Mm. in a number of different countries, everywhere from the jungles of the South Pacific for a few years, living in a hut, to Oxford, to now in Colorado and Mexico, different countries. It doesn't matter where you go. Everyone has something in their heart that's yearning, longing for more. And listen to that, right? There's a thirst in us for more than just what this superficial culture is telling us is the answer. Mm. And I think as we begin to engage with those longings and listen to those longings, it can lead us on a quest for truth. You know, and it's, uh, it, I love traveling. Mission work is some of my most favorite times, and it, it, it's what it does to me, not necessarily what I did for, for the people groups. And you find people who have absolutely nothing who are still filled with joy and a hope, mm-hmm. um, almost more of a peace than we have. And uh, Yeah. Yes, it's uh, so true. I I remember when I was living in the South Pacific, and again, it it was like stepping into a National Geographic special. I mean, no electricity, no running water. We're there for three years, living in a hut, and we're I'm teaching at the school where college students from all around, all all different um, islands came around to to learn. And um, but they there was so much joy there and simplicity. Yeah. Every night we just sit around a fire and tell stories and um, they they had the ability to be more fully present, more fully engaged with one another and weren't swayed by all the, the pull that we face of advertisement and materialism. In fact, one, one story, I remember uh, the church that was helping support this, this school, they sent us a laptop, which I thought was really funny because we had, there was no electricity. Like we, <laughs> we couldn't do anything with it. And so they, they're like, oh, okay, well, later on, they, they sent us a little generator. So we got, the, we got the generator, got the laptop, and this was in the late 90s. It was one of these Windows machines. And I, I thought, man, they're going to be so impressed. The, the students are going to be so impressed when they see this because they've never seen any technology like this. And so we had this special night. We invited everyone there. It's probably 30 students or so. And I power up the generator. I turn on the laptop. And again, it's a late 90s machine. Takes like an hour to boot up. It finally does. And, you know, I start showing them the different things it could do and open the Word doc and show them the keyboard. And they were so unimpressed. One guy, he he raised his hand and he said, can you hunt with it? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no. He said, can you? can you cook with it? I said, no. Can you fish with it? No. And they're like, what good is it? And they just all got up and left. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just love, I love that moment because there there was a deep contentment and uh, just a willingness just to uh, not, not be swayed by all the things that pull at us. And I I think you're right. Like we we are in this hyper uh, discontent, moment we we live in if we can learn the art of contentment and learn the art of just being grateful for what we have um we'd probably be a lot happier right hey tell people how they can follow you yeah so we have a website it's called pursuing faith pursuingfaith.org um and then i'm on instagram at dominic don d-o-m-i-n-i-c-d-o-n-e 
Uh, so that's probably the two best ways. And we'll put that, in, of course, in our footnotes. What a pleasure. And I oh, so good to talk to you guys. Yeah, we, you're coming into the area, so we're going to we're gonna take up all of your time. <laughs> Absolutely. I, we, we would love that. <laughs> so, you know, Dominique has truly been a lion in the faith community and in the community as a whole. And uh, that's why he's on the podcast today. And what a privilege to have you on. And... Uh, yeah, thanks for being on today. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to talk to you guys. Love it. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. I truly hope you enjoyed today's guest and you found inspiration, guidance, and you want to share it. Put it on Instagram, Facebook. Tell people about us. It would mean a lot to us. You can also give us your feedback at voiceofalion.com. And if you want to help us financially, you want to get involved with our nonprofit and what we do for the communities, not only here in New Mexico, but around the world, you can go to aspenproject.org and there's tons of ways to donate and find out more of what we are doing. Thanks again for being a Voice of a Lion listener and tell everyone.